Hey, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. Doctor Strange, Netflix, and giving your grandma a banana. These are the things that you'll discover today on this episode. So enjoy. Lydia, can you come in on this thing, please? Lydia, just so we know, Lydia is our expert in charge of Eurovision. Before, Lydia, I always call you the expert, but please, I'm going to, should I toot your own horn? Lydia's submission, Lydia wrote a song that her aunt sung and went to semifinals a few years ago, right? I don't know what it was. That's right. That was 2014 when that happened. Yeah. Wow. Eurovision is huge in Europe. It's especially huge in like small countries like Moldova. Um, and yeah, we take it proper serious. And every time like you get to be part of the delegation, it's a whole, you know, like journey. And we like we were actually watching the whole thing and all the semifinals and the final. It's a it's a big thing. Wow. It's totally legit, man. And by the way, again, Moldova, they're in semifinals right now, right? Are they going to go? They're, they went into the finals already. Zdobšiš uh, Dup and the Advahov brothers are the um, are representing Moldova this uh, year. Wow. I've had the pleasure to uh, to work with these guys. They're amazing. So yeah, vote for Moldova in case you're somewhere in Europe or Australia. Australia votes as well. Vote for Moldova. <laughs> and I'm going to Europe. Vote for Moldova. I'm going to Europe this week. I wish, I mean, I'm like one week too late to be joining this voting. But Moldova was excellent, by the way. I w- watched the pre- prelims. Um, some of the stuff was the salad song. Wow, Tim, you really are into this. Crossing the prelims? Keith, it's it's legit, man. You got to start getting into Eurovision. Grab your kids, sit down, watch this stuff. I might. I mean, that wolf eat my banana. They might literally, they're going to bust up watching that yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a salad song, which didn't make it to finals. It wasn't my favorite, but it was, it was a little bit silly. I thought the graphics, the graphics, by the way, this year are absolutely incredible. They're everywhere. How long has this been going on for? Is this like a long-term thing or is it a recent? 60, 56, 65? Yeah, they, yeah, they have a lot of years on their, um, on their roster. I think they, when they started, they had like a proper live orchestra on stage. And wow. by the way, like all the singing is happening live and it's live broadcast. And it's a contest between broadcast companies, like between national broadcasters. So it's not even... I mean, it is about vocalists and about artists, but the main contest happens between the um, uh, between the actual countries. Yeah. Yeah, I know they're trying to bring something like that to the states, where they're they're like it's a battle between the states, but I doubt it will be the same thing. Yeah, some Kelly Clarkson, Snoop Dogg yeah. show or something like that. I don't know. What yeah, it is. they're trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just can't. It's it can't compete with it's this. Not gonna. It's not gonna replicate that energy. I can tell you that. But you wouldn't know the likes of ABBA and Celine Dion without Eurovision. So you you should really? be very thankful. Oh, Seriously, is that where they came yeah. from? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Celine Dion represented Sweden, Switzerland, Sweden um, in the 80s. Wow. Not so great, by the way. If you looked at it, you're like, this is not the Celine Dion we know, but she, I think mm-hmm. she won. That's the last time they won. Switzerland, yeah. She won in 88. Wow. I guess I'm going to have to start, uh, add that to my um, calendar. So it's something I have to look forward to each year. And if you want to get your... Um, siblings or wife involved you can watch the will ferrell eurovision movie which yes. really sets the stage for for this because but is it a good movie though it's a netflix movie is it not tim it's not a netflix movie i'm not i'm pretty no, sure it's no no rachel oh, rachel okay. mcadams will ferrell it's a funny movie bro well, that's a good combo yeah all right all right all right and it kind of sets the stage because i got my recommendations for the for the weekend i got my recommendations for the weekend. there are some actual eurovision uh contestants in the film and there's a few after you watch the movie and you start googling this thing 
there's there's some some interesting acts over the years for sure. So all right, <laughs> all right, I know what I got to do. Before Lydia jumps off, Lydia, we know Moldova is going to win. Who's going to get second place? Ukraine? Oh, I think uh, Sweden is a favorite. Oh, really? Ooh. So, yeah, I prefer Serbia. So, oh, by the way, Tim, you're going to Serbia soon. So check out Serbia. It's very like underground, quirky in a in a cool way. But a lot about Eurovision is quirky anyway. So, yeah, just check it out. Do you know how excited am I if Serbia wins and I'm going there like the week after they win? Yeah. Oh yeah! Wow! I'm just gonna deck out like Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) You're walking into the victory parade. (laughs) All right, from Eurovision to um, Hollywood, take it away, guys. Thanks, Uh, Lydia. Lydia, do we have an expert at Eurovision? You have to. All right. Well, then we'll have to do a wrap up next week. Then royalty, Eurovision royalty, we have right here. Especially if where are you going to be next week? Serbia? Did you say Serbia? I will be in the UK and they're, they, I think they already lost. They got zero, zero points last year. They had nobody voted for them last year. And this year I didn't even see them yet. So okay, Lydia can correct me, but I don't even think they're contending. So UK, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. But um, Norway is taking it serious. Obviously I'm going to send you the song so you can play this for your kids. Yeah, please do send it to me. All right. Besides these, this amazing stuff that's happening, and by the way, it's taking over Hollywood. Uh, Peacock is covering this. They're investing in it. So this is building up. Well, it's because Peacock needs content, Tim. <laughs> they got to fill all that, that airtime with something. <laughs> well, they got one extra month of subscription from me because they're carrying your vision. So count the sub, right? There you go. Yeah, see? $4.99, especially if you get the, uh, the premium. If you go up to 10 bucks a month, then they hooked you. Mission accomplished. Oh, man. What do I pay? I should look that up. Ah, see? That's where they get you. You don't know if you're paying the free which is we get a lot of commercials or four ninety nine, which is limited commercials and 10 bucks, which is no commercial. Oh, I have no commercials. Yeah. So it's 10 bucks. Oh, so you're paying the 10 bucks. Okay. But I can just ditch my net Netflix and keep on watching Ooh, Eurovision at this point because yeah. it's way better. Mm-hmm. Netflix. I haven't watched Netflix. Is anyone watching Netflix anymore? I haven't watched Netflix. You know what? Six weeks, eight weeks. I don't know what's happening. My wife still watches a lot of it because she likes some of the shows on there, like Call the Midwife. She likes a lot of the pre, but she is... As far as original content goes, we're not watching any of the original stuff other than The Crown. That's the only thing we watch that's a Netflix original. Not watching Bridgerton. We're not watching Stranger Things. I tried to start watching it, but I just couldn't get into it. The original, the first season? You've never got into it? No. Yeah. Just never got into it. Wait, what, what year were you born? Because if you were a kid of the 80s. I was very much an 80s child. So yes, I understand the nostalgia factor, but I just never got into it. I, I don't, I mean, maybe I should try again because I've recently, I recently watched a show. I'm not going to admit it on air uh, what show it was because then I will get pilfered for it. But I recently watched a show. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to start guessing. No, no, I'm not going to tell you. It's a rom-com and it's a girl. It's a girly one. I know it. I avoided it because I just wasn't sold in the concept. And then I watched it and it was probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. It made you cry. No, no tears. Then it's not the best one. I'm going to make her cry. <laughs> I got to get Tim to guess. You get, you, I'm not going to tell you, but you can guess. All it's you not want. one of the sports documentaries. I know that. No, it's not a sports documentary. It's an actual series. It's a series. And it, but anyway. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to start. I'm going to turn on. I'm curious. I don't want to get hate messages and, you know, attacked for not. I want comments right here. Leave your comments below of what you think Keith is watching on Netflix. And next week, we'll just sit here right here. No, I watched. Period. Full stop. It's done. I've already watched. He binge watched 
he didn't cry, but he binge watched his, his, the greatest thing he's seen on Netflix ever. I did not cry. That's all. I'm not going to give any more clues. That's it. I'm done. And he's embarrassed to say it. So we know it, it's related to <laughs> RuPaul's drag. Let's see, let's see what the audience can come up with. I, I'm curious to see what they come up with. <laughs> yeah, I want comments. We need comments on this one. Well, Netflix is taking it. Besides uh, getting a hit from us, Netflix is taking a hit, huh? Yes. I, I got to say, like the economy is tanking like crazy. Yes, it is. So people have got to be asking questions like, Netflix, are you going to start making money anymore? Are we going to, or ever, we're going to start making money now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because the, uh, you know, everyone's talking, it's calling it the Netflix reset, but I'm more intrigued by is sort of the repercussions of all the the reset. Because it's, I mean, if you read between the lines with Netflix, everybody knew that eventually the bill was going to come due. Everyone was talking about it. Richard Rushfield was really sort of on the forefront of this, just talking like at a certain point, this debt load is going to become too much and everyone's going to wake up to the fact that this can't, this is not sustainable. Yeah. Richard Rushfield obviously has been tracking this for a while. Yeah. Very smart and very on top of it. Yeah. He was very, uh, he was, he sort of was the one shouting from the rooftops that this is not sustainable. At a certain point, the debt load is going to become too much. What I think shocked everybody was how quickly it sort of came upon everyone. And then, you know, the stock dropped precipitously, wiped off almost $40 billion, I believe, of market cap from Netflix to the point where they now have to, they start to lay people off. There's talk about resetting salaries, restructuring the group. They're working on the, the famous deck. They've started tweaking that. Like there's a lot of things that are sort of shifting now. But my fascination is more with sort of the repercussions of what this means for all the other streamers. Like everyone and their brother chased after Netflix, spent all this money buying back all the content from Netflix um, after years of using Netflix as a, basically a distributor. And now sort of they're all realizing, I think one of the big things is it's about, I mean, this is a sort of like an obvious point, but it's like, it's the quantity, oh, sorry, the quality over the quantity at this point. And this will make you happy, Tim, because you've been complaining about the quality of Netflix, but please make me happy about the quality of Netflix because it's now no longer a race to see who can spend the most. Cause that seemed to be like where it was heading. Like every time there was an earnings call before this drop, this precipitous drop, it was always, we're going to spend X billions of dollars on content. We are just, you know, full steam ahead. Right. Now you've got sort of David Zasloff who's coming in with Warner Brothers Discovery and like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna slow our roll. And he's got a CFO who's taking a look at everything, like all the books and pulling back. Like now TNT and Turner are not gonna be making originals anymore. It's gonna be more wow. about other things and like sports and probably more uh like buying movies basically and be like a, a cable movie channel. Um, so you can see there's a lot of resetting happening there. And then you look at what happened yesterday at the Disney's earning call when Chapik, you know, who has been, you know, under the gun a lot with sort of the flagging Disney plus subscribers and they came out and they beat some of the expectations that wall street had in terms of their subscriber numbers. And it was literally a, like, nobody cared. You're just saying it didn't, it's not about the subscribers anymore. I think it's more about when are you going to start making money on this? And yeah. now it's sort of shifted the conversation where I would say probably almost six months to a year ago, it was like, if you had, if you beat the expectations on wall street about your subscriber numbers, you were, your stock was going to go like this. Now everyone realizes, Oh, wait a minute. Who, how, where's the money? How, I mean, it seems obvious to me that the question should have always been, 
how much money are you going to make off this? Like how many, I mean, I know Disney has been upfront, but you know, it's, it's a format war, right? Right. So you're, they are trying to create the winning format that lasts for decades beyond all the competitors. And when you become that monopoly, you win everything. Right. So yes. that monopoly situation is really great. But right. what you're declaring here, which we should declare it here first, right? Richard Rushfield, if you're watching, you should quote us when you cover this. But <laughs> they've been calling this the golden age of content for for a decade now because of all the investment. And you're declaring the golden age of content is over. Right. That's what you're saying here, Keith. You heard it here first. Keith, Keith from the Founders Brew is saying golden age of content is over. What I'll say is that, so John Lankar, I met, re referenced this in my founders brew this week uh john langraf who's the head of fx uh, channels and um at um disney basically it's always talked about sort of we're, we're at like a peak tv like there's just so much good stuff now but i think what's happening is it's it's a glut now there's just too much and what you're what you're seeing is sort of this retreat to things that people know because there's so much and it's so hard to figure out the what to watch problem and to be able to discover con new content because word of mouth is a little stilted right now. I mean, yes, you still have your, um, you know, squid games that are going to pop up and be cultural relevant, but then yeah, they sure. just drop off and then it's on to the next thing. But that's how pop culture works. There should be pop culture if you make the moment. Yeah. yeah. It pops and then it disappears. But yeah. I think because there's such an overwhelming amount of it, it's just no one can keep up anymore. So I think. In reality, there has to somewhat be a, a, a pullback a little bit and sort of refocusing on, uh, you know, what really works and sort of slowing it down, maybe adopting somewhat of the Pixar model where you're not throwing things out every, every other week. You're trying to try to focus on making really great stuff that's going to get people's attention um, versus just throwing things at the service just to try to keep people subscribing and subscribing. Um, and the other the other challenge is 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 with you know with inflation is hitting everybody's pocketbooks, the value proposition has gone up in a lot of people's minds. So now it's not like oh well I'll just keep subscribing to Netflix. Now it's like well do I really want to keep Netflix? When was the last thing I actually watched on that? That's why that's why I started with here. Like I mean you, yeah. you have to ask yourself the question. Like all of a sudden you're, you're thinking I don't I don't watch it. Right. I seek out certain shows now that I hear about yep. and I'll yep. focus on it, but. Um, the idea that they were giving us a good feed of content is over. And it's not just here, the, the, this shift that's taking place. Well, I'll say this, like you basically accrue a debt somewhere, right? So if you're accruing a debt financially, you better be making good content. Yeah. But if you are accruing a financial debt and you're cr uh, accruing a content debt, which is what Netflix did. Yeah. This, the floor is going to collapse in multiple areas, multiple ways. Um, these the other um, platforms like Disney at least has Disney content, right? So they didn't necessarily sabotage themselves in content. They don't have a lot of it, or Apple TV that has absolutely very little at all. But yeah, probably might be ahead in the long run because they can kind of keep it going. But the the content debt part of it, I guess you can see it. I mean, you you said in in your newsletter this week about Avatar, mm. you know, this idea of launching Avatar, or even what mm -hmm. we saw with Doctor Strange. Um, yeah. I said it um, last week of like, I think I've seen that movie before. Yeah. And you were saying earlier that the exits are. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's an interesting proposition because you brought up Disney and yes, they have brands, but they also struggle because they don't have a lot of original content outside of the Marvel Star Wars universe. That's really working. 
And if that platform is going to pull in more people than just families like me who have young children who just want to watch the endless Frozen and Uncanto 50 times over, that's not enough. It's not enough to sustain the spending that they're pulling, that they're trying to do right now. So you have to figure out a way to balance it out. Now you look at Discover, Warner Brothers Discovery and they have a really good model in HBO because everyone loves HBO. And they're, the vibe sort of in the ether sphere right now, I just made that word up, is- It's a good word. Yeah, it, it's a good word. Is the, uh, that HBO has some of the best content. Like they are, because they don't throw, you can almost guarantee that you're going to find something on HBO Max that you're going to want to watch because they have a ton of movies they have a ton of great shows. They have all those awesome miniseries. So there's always something you can find. Disney Plus, it's not so much. And then you shift gears to something like you said, like Doctor Strange. Now, listen, they had a blowout weekend. It was an amazing weekend for Disney. There's no doubt that that number was phenomenal, especially given you know where we are sort of in the micro marketplace. And they have a long yeah. runway until Top Gun shows up. So they're probably going to do fairly well. My question is, it's interesting because their, their cinema score and exits, their cinema score was a B plus, which is not great. So can you just explain to the layman? Yes. Yeah, some <laughs> of the, I'll say my brother, Patrick, can you explain to my brother, Patrick, what the cinema score is? Yeah. yeah. So Patrick, a cinema score, is basically a score they take. It's usually a Friday and Saturday nights. Um, they ask people to grade the movie. Um, now what you usually want to see with, a Friday and Saturday, especially opening weekend, because you have your diehards that show up. So if your diehards show up, they are usually tougher critics, but they're the ones that are going to talk about the movie if they think it's great. Um, they're the ones that are going to evangelize for you. Um, so you want to, you want that to be like A plus A. And this, so someone's standing there with an iPad, people are leaving the theater and they said, yeah, let me ask you two questions. What movie did you watch? Would you tell somebody else about it? Oh, well, they might go, well, there's, there. There's other tracking that sort of gets more into the details in terms of the audience makeup, um, you know, the age breakdown. So you can get a sense of who's going to the movie and, you know, what 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 marketing worked for that particular age group, what didn't really grab them. It's a great it's a great thing for marketing. So when they do a postmortem and sort of look at what worked and what didn't work, you can kind of break down into sort of like, you know, genre. I mean, um, uh, you know, the four quads, the four quadrants, male, females, 18, um, you know you know, you know, 50 and under and all that kind of stuff. So dude, you really are a marketing geek. You, you are way <laughs> too deep into it. Like, I just wanted to know there's people with iPads anyway. So, and anyways, so doctor people what watch Dr. Strange agreed with me. They're basically saying, okay, it was a good movie, but I made for TV. Yeah, exactly. And so what'll be interesting to see is how they do in the second weekend and whether or not they have a good hold, whether or not they have a precipitous drop, um, as again, there isn't, a, but they have no competitors, right? Yeah, no Firestarter's coming out, but Firestarter's also it's it's a day and date release on Peacock as well. So you know the Drew Barrymore movie is a remake. Yes, wow, Zach Efron. Zach Efron is plays the character Drew Barrymore. Probably. No, he plays the he plays the dad. There's another girl who plays the um hmm. uh, the Firestarter, the Drew Barrymore character, if you will. Interesting. So uh, we'll see how that that all plays out. I mean, listen, I I think. Can you tell me how everything? everywhere all at once is doing. Cause I've heard so many people tell me I have to go watch this movie and I'm dying to find the time to do it. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's see. Yeah. They're, they're doing cause they're, they're an indie movie that kind of came in and they're still in the theater. 
They're holding. Yeah. They're, so they were released on the 25th of March and they've just been going chugging along ever since. This is the quiet place of this year, isn't it? Like this is going to be the one. No. Yeah. They're up about 43 million, right? They're, they're 43 million domestic, um, which is pretty impressive. So it's an A24 film and, you know, their movies always sort of seem to just keep chugging along. They're really great at platform releasing, which means you slowly roll it out to various theaters as you go on. Um, so, you mean they started at 10, just to give you an idea, they started in 10 in March of March 25th. And they're now up to, they peaked at 2200 May 5th. And obviously they started to drop because of 2200 is theaters theaters. Correct. Yeah. Um, they started dropping because the behemoth of Dr. Strange shows up. Yeah. And Disney can be a bit of a bully when it comes to releasing their movies. They put a lot of pressure on the exhibitors to give as many theaters, uh, multiple theaters as possible. Yeah. And if you, if you went on Friday last week and looked at how many show times there were for Dr. Strange, it was a little mind boggling. You could get one like every five minutes. So they obviously got dropped down. So, but they're still doing really well. Yeah. So again, there's a little engine that could, I mean, it's great to see. Do you think something like that film? Um, so the, the ideas of the multiplexes or this kind of major release package um, landscape that we've become so accustomed to, mm -hmm. um, we know that the pandemic uh, created a big um, chasm for that. Like they, they took a big hit. They couldn't get people to show up. Right. So the business model of distribution is going to pivot. Mm -hmm. um, when it pivots, what do you think we're going to be leaning towards? The Doctor Strange theaters, separate and then different theaters for everything, everywhere all at once? Because when we have less screens, how is this going to play itself out? Well, I mean, here's the thing. My theory on this, and I know I'm probably going to get pilfered for this, but I think less... Leave comments below if you can pilfer. Yeah, I think less is better. I think we have overwhelmed the system with so many movies, um, I think we need to do sort of a back to first principles, if you will, in terms of uh, slowing down the release, like not giving movies chances to breathe and be found by audiences. Um, now, listen, the big studios probably won't like that because that cuts back on their margins and the, the big, big wigs in the studios probably won't like it because it cuts back on their fat salaries. But sure. I always go back to that scene from the holiday when um, the writer gets up and he's at the WGA and he says, I remember when I first started in the industry and it was like, you saw maybe one or two pictures in the theater uh, a week and a weekend. Now they're reported like box office scores and there's like 10 movies in the theater. And it's like, it's again, it's this glut. It's, it's just so much that it's like, at this point, there's so much pulling consumers in it, you know, in different directions with the phones, the computers, the TV, the, the streaming services. Like, it's just too much that I'm not necessarily saying, I'm saying that it's not necessarily a bad thing, that there's going to be less out there. So you think that the studios will slow down the release schedule, maybe look towards what Paramount is doing, which is very successful. They're releasing yep. a slow release of, of good films. And not and they're they're not a major studio where they have to constantly be filling up the distributions to keep them alive for their mega hits, right? Right. Because if you want to have four thousand theaters ready for Doctor Strange, you have to be feeding those theaters other things in the meantime so that they're right. open and ready for Doctor Strange. Right. Um, if right. we start taking hits, then those theaters are going to slow down. It'd be interesting to see if the um, if the OTT platforms 
Amazon, Netflix, Apple will start filling in that gap temporarily. Well, that that's the other that's the other advantage, and this is something that Robin talked about when she was here a couple of weeks ago when you were off doing your thing, yeah. Um, and Gus toasted with me, and she mentioned this is what she said. She's like, "Why aren't the exhibitors talking and to the streamers and saying, hey, why don't we run exclusively for 24 hours or a weekend the first episode of Stranger Things, episode one?" But season four, episode one in the theaters and just see what happens. Like, let's experiment. Let's see how it goes. Um, and listen, it's worth a try. You know, it's, it, listen, these big, big multiplexes are not going to survive if what I, what I suggested in terms of bringing it back, uh, to sort of slowing the release schedule is, is becomes a reality. The, the, a lot of the multiplexes aren't going to survive. And that is going to lead a lot of them to fold, which may, it's not a great thing, but there's ways to survive. The only problem is- But you you think that's a good thing. You don't mind the idea of slowing things down and resetting and making content king. No, I don't. I, but I, I think I think there's a way to do it where the, you know you can limit the damage, but still you know preserve the theatrical experience in a way. But that requires a sort of a reality check on the exhibitor side. And given what we saw through two weeks in CinemaCon, that clearly is not the case. Interesting. There's yeah. no reality happening there. They're all like, oh, well, yeah, day and days doesn't work. We're back to theaters. Everything's great. Oh, we got Doctor Strange coming up. Woo! And it's just, it's, it's, it's blinkered. It's, just, it's silly. It's insanity because that's just not the reality now. It's just not. And you have to deal with the reality as it currently exists. And they're just not doing that. They're pretending it's, I don't know, 1992 still. And that's just not, what oh the way forward so from what you're hearing the the studios have not responded to this yet they're still hoping to be first in market have large distributions keep on making money the way they used to is anybody changing are anybody taking a pivot i think universal right now is the one who's doing the most experimenting i think donna langley and jeff shell are really trying to figure out a way in this new world order to move forward and make it worthwhile for the exhibitors too. And you just figure out a way that they can partner rather than, because what's always been the relationship, it's always this, it's always like this fight, 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 fight. And, you know, Universal is being like, let's try to work together on this. Let's figure out a way forward. Let's not go to the extreme of HBO Max and dump, you know, the entire slate from Warren Brothers onto the platform just to goose subs. Right. You know, let's figure out a way that we can make this work. And, you know, I think that's a smart way to do it. And we'll see, you know, what plays out. Now, the, the the trick will be to see if they can figure out what works and then junk what doesn't work quickly versus sticking to a plan that doesn't really work. But I would say they're the ones that are playing the most with it. They have, you know, a lot of support from Comcast and Brian Roberts in terms of, you know, being free to play with however they want. Um, now, of course, that could change if Comcast all of a sudden starts losing all their cable sums yeah. and things start going nuts, then that may put more pressure on them to go back to sort of the feed the beast. We need a lot of money. We need a lot of money. But I think right now they're the ones that seem to be doing it the, the best way and trying to figure a, a blaze a path forward. Yeah, I was curious if like, because you have, you know, with Universal, you have Comcast as the mother company, which is essentially an OTT platform. It's cable boxes everywhere. It's not, right. not, it's not technically that. Right. But you're looking at subscribers, subscribing to a platform, and then that the studio feeds that platform. Mm-hmm. Different than Disney, which is the studio, film studio, trying to make OTT. Or uh, Netflix all by itself, which is just OTT. They don't have any other legs necessarily. 
And which one of those is going to create a better pivot for what's coming up? And I kind of have this feeling like uh, Comcast understands the long tail distribution because they are Mm. constantly delivering content to people all over the United States through their uh, cable uh, network. Right. Yep. That the theatrical part of it is in it's like probably in the right place of the studio. They recognize the value of it. They let it make the content, but it doesn't drive all of the decision making. Um, where other studios are, they can be way too heavy handed in, in the like film content is king. It must dominate distribution to theaters is the most important thing. The box office score is most important thing. And Comcast can say, no, it's not. We Saturday night television is what we care about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're making a bet that like, listen, this is a, I mean, it's a horror movie. I mean, maybe they're using the the success of Halloween, which was also a, I think I believe a day and date release on Peacock and in theaters. And Firestarter is another horror movie. So they're like, all right, well, let's let's see if this if, if it plays out with this movie, too. Um, you know, I haven't seen a ton of content in terms of marketing from the studio with regards to this. But again, that is also a play to sort of save money on the back end. Like you don't spend $40 million to, on a marketing to try to make it an event picture. You just pull it back and say, okay, well, we're going to put it on the platform. Let's see what happens. Let's see how it goes. And you never know, people may show up at dark, you know, to see, potentially planning to see Doctor Strange and be like, oh, Firestarter. Is that the Steve King movie? I'll go see that instead. You never know how it's going to, you know, the consumer decision is going to be affected by that. But do we just need another Stephen King? I mean, can, it is he like a once in a 500 year writer that we we made all of his books into movies and then we're making it. I think J.K. Rowling took your, took his place for a while with the Potters. But his is a different kind of like he shifted genres. Yes, he's a very prolific writer. Yes. Or not didn't shift genres, but shift his storyline where she kind of stuck with one storyline with. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I really can't think of anyone off the top of my head who's the sort of taken the mantle of Stephen King and, and been as prolific in terms of I mean, we're doing it again. We're remaking the movies. Well, yeah. But this goes back to my point. This goes back to my point that the reason that people are going, because listen, the studios are reacting to what the consumers want. And the consumers want reboots, remakes, superhero sequels, all that kind of stuff. That's what's making money. Making right. money, you're right. Now, let me, let me finish. So yeah, it's making money. So that's what's going to drive them to want to, to keep making them. Now, the reason I think people are doing that is one, it's comfort food in a time of great unrest, obviously. Sure. But I think another part of it is that there's just so much out there and it's so much work, I think, mentally for people to figure out what I want to see, that they're just going to rely on what they already know because that just makes it easier. I don't have to sit, oh, this is a Marvel movie. Well, Marvel's got a good brand. Their movies are usually pretty good. Yeah. I'll go see Marvel. Versus like, oh, I got to go watch a trailer for uh, this movie that uh, you know I heard was okay, but I don't really know if I want to see it. I got to go to YouTube, find a trailer. Where as like, oh, Firestarter? Yeah, I remember that. Stephen King. I like Stephen King. Boom, I'll go see that. Boom, easy. Yeah, I think there, I mean, there is that theory that in a recession or depression, whatever, the economic over, um, upset, that people want to watch something that they're familiar with because it feels less risky to spend their money on something that they already know instead right. of some, you know, some thought of like, well, I've never heard of this before. I don't really know where it is. And unless someone tells me to go see it, I'm not going to take the risk. Right. Um, right. 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 But I, I, I kind of like, I'm with you. I'm you're, you're convincing me here that the release slowdown and the reset that could happen there um, will be an interesting time. It'll be an interesting shift. 
So if the, if the age of uh, content, the golden age of content is over, as you declared earlier here live on Hollywood <laughs> Breaks, and you'll Woo! be publishing it next week. And I'm open to being convinced that I am in fact wrong about that, but yeah. um, I, the evidence that I, I see so far leads me to believe that that is the case. Let's declare it, man. Let's be the yeah. first. Come on. We want to, we know you're right. Yeah. You, you like get into like quadrants about people leaving movie theater <laughs> kind of thinking this is like, I trust, I trust your instinct. But what's interesting is, is like, what does that mean for the opportunities of people right. that are doing new things in Hollywood? Right. Um, we don't have to, already be Stanley with hundred million followers to make something. Oh, there you are. Stanley is your, is your Stephen King of. Yeah. There you go. Stanley. That's, that's, Oh yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. But we need that, like the opportunity to reset so that we can find the content that we actually know can happen. So blockbusters are over this golden age of sequels, you know, cause the distribution channel is being disrupted. That's going to change and pivot. We know OTT platforms are going to ask new questions because they can't just burn cash with bad crap and, mm-hmm. you know, hope that people will keep on watching for, for no reason. Um, and there are winners coming out of unusual places right now that are going to make people think differently. So there's yeah. some, some amazing opportunity right now. Yeah, I, I think, and you know, not to keep hopping back on my newsletter, but this is something I also talked a little bit about um, uh, in that there's an opportunity to find the little things that may like every, everything everywhere is a perfect example of this, a little movie that potentially could just be ignored, but was discovered and it's just keep going. Everyone's talking about it. It's an it's original story. Little things like that are, we're going to start to reset the table a little bit. Um, but again, this is where the slowdown will help because it'll give people a chance to start looking for other things and f- discovering new writers, discovering the new next Stephen King, discovering the next Steven Spielberg, because he's everyone. All those guys are getting up in age, and you know I don't necessarily believe that you know we've sort of hit the end of sort of uh, creativity in terms of finding the next generation. Um, but if we just keep relying on the same stuff over and over again, then yeah, it's going to be hard to discover the next great this, that, or the other. So I think this is another reason why I think the slowdown is going to be helpful because it'll, it'll help us discover the next, the next artists, the next people who are going to step up and take the mantle and, you know, take us into a new era of storytelling and introduce us to new characters and um, That's right. really, really, really re- reinvent the wheel. And new technologies that can get us there. Yeah. New, and new places that be there. Um yeah, we'll we'll see. I know that the metaverse has some promise of storytelling. We don't know right now. It's all like a technology thing. So there will be new opportunities that way. Right. Let's finish this podcast with this quote. Um, a friend of mine gave this to me recently. Mm. You might recognize it. Okay. Great beauty, great strength, and great riches are really and truly of no great use. A right heart exceeds all. <laughs> nice. Good work. Gee, where have I heard that before? I know where it's from. That's from Benjamin Franklin. Yes. And I, Benjamin Franklin didn't give it to me, but it was in this newsletter I received, Founders Brew. Yes. Yeah. Well, for those of you who are regular readers, you know that um, I usually finish, I always finish my newsletter with a what I call the pages from the commonplace book. And for those of you who don't know what a commonplace book is, it is a book 
that contains quotes, lessons, things you read. Um, a lot of the founding fathers did it um, for the for their most of their lives. They would, you know, even when they were younger, they would just start writing things down. And I kind of picked up that habit. So I've been sharing those quotes with you based on things that I've read and quotes that I've read down. And, I love it. Um, you know, Ben's always been a sort of close to my heart one because he's from, he's a, you know, Pennsylvanian as I am by birth. Yes, of course. Although he's not one by birth, but he became a fam- the most famous Pennsylvanian. Um, and, you know, he always has words of wisdom. And I think that, that that's a big one. Um, and as I mentioned in the actual newsletter, I recently started a, a Twitter account, um, real Keith D at real Keith D Rao, R-A-U-C-H, for those of you who want to follow me, um, just to help promote the show, Vision Craft Brew, the Founders Brew at all. And I got to tell you, I understand the need to sort of clean it up, get into the fight, into the thick of it. Um, but Twitter really is a just an absolute dumpster fire of stupidity and rage. And you just have to be, and I come back to this quote, I think about like, this is not because you go in there because you want to sort of raise your profile. There's a reason you want to do it. It is partially about profile and getting attention because that's what helped drives your business and yada, yada, yada. But the conversation is not very welcome off in there. Is no, it? the conversation is never production and it does not in any way, shape or form represent what Ben Franklin was talking about there. So I kind of always go back to that and I'm always like, okay, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to jump into this. <laughs> As much as I'd like to, it was a good shot. It is a good shot. It's great. We already have a podcast. You're, you're, you already have your commonplace right here. We don't need, although just post commonplace thoughts on Twitter. You'll be fine. People will Google you or whatever. Yeah. And it, it, it also, uh, it, it is a great way to stay up on news and what's, what's sort of happening. I will say that about Twitter. Um, although Elon, Elon Musk gave me a, a tip because I, I follow him on Twitter. And um, if you go up and you hit the, the stars on the upper right-hand corner, you can basically turn off the uh, algorithm from pulling quote tweets based on things that you are reading. And it just basically creates a timeline of the tweets that are coming up. So then it's not the algorithm telling you what to look at. It's just the people you follow and their latest tweets and things that they've liked versus the algorithm telling you what, oh, you may also like this, or you may also like that. To create a rabbit hole for you. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Keep on the platform, but you can turn that off, which not a lot of people know. But thank you to Elon Musk, because I now know that, and I turned it off. And it's actually, it's just, you know. Thank you, Elon Musk, for so many great things. Yeah, many great things. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> not amongst. All right, my friend. Least of which, buying Twitter. <laughs> it was good to see you. I, I want to hear the feedback of um, the banana song with your with your girls. Oh. I will. I will. I. I will. I will. I will. I will for sure. Your kids. Yes, yeah, they do have one boy. Don't have no. as many as you do, but <laughs> uh, yes, I will let you know what their reviews are. I'm sure they'll love it. I'm, I have a feeling I will be listening to that song all weekend long. It has your name in it. You yes, know it they're going to think it's about. You. Why don't you actually tell them that someone wrote a song about you because of Hollywood breaks? I mean, my name has also been featured. I don't know if I've told you the story, Tim. We'll wrap with this. I my name has also been featured in a Simpsons episode, and I bet you didn't know that. So there's an episode where Homer is going to a, I can't remember where he's going, but he's going to a cave or something. And then the password is the password. And the guy who's controlling the door says, the password is uh, the answer to what is the worst first name in the English language? Oh, you, isn't this, and, <laughs> they said Keith. And he responds, Keith. And I was watching, I was like, what? Cause that's, and then I realized it's because it's Rupert Murdoch's first name. So that's why. First name. It's, yeah, it's sort yeah, of a shot at Rupert Murdoch. But anyway. Those guys are awesome. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. That was, it was a little offensive for me, but now I understand the context. That's so all good. Well, now we re- redeemed it with yeah, Norway. There you go. So you're awesome. Right.
All right. right, We'll see you next week. I'll be in London. So yeah, the world tour begins. I'll be drinking a different kind of brew. I might, it'll be later in the evening. I'll be, uh, it'll be later in the evening. You might be drinking your tea before you go to bed. Yeah. You can brew tea. You can brew tea 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 with your biscuits, which are actually like crackers in England, UK. Yeah. But there's another brew. What's the last brew? There's tea, there's coffee. I can't remember. There's a third brew of some sort. <laughs> Vision Craft Brew, maybe? <laughs> oh, maybe that's the one. Maybe that's it. There you go. <laughs> All right, have a good week. Yeah, you too. We'll see you next week.